and welcome to Devos with D. I'm Pastor D from the Heist Church, and I'm very glad that you are joining me again, and I hope you'll continue to join me for these Bible studies. Tonight, we're going to be talking about a very difficult subject. In fact, while I was studying this, it really made me sad, and I had to pull myself out of a place of sadness. We're going to be talking about euthanasia. And you said, oh, golly, I've heard that, but I don't really know too much about it. Well, hopefully at the end of this study, you'll know more about it. Actually, the title of this message is What the Bible Says About. And that's what the series is going to be, What the Bible Says About. And it's going to be about euthanasia. What our mothers never told us is my subtitle. I'd like you to remember just a couple of things before we really get into this lesson any further. The first thing is that euthanasia is not mentioned in scripture, not anywhere that I could find. The second thing is that you need to know as we get into this is the Bible promotes life. If the Bible promotes death, can you please comment or send me that scripture? Because I don't think that it says death is an enemy. So I, I believe the Bible about that. Causing death is unacceptable. And the last thing I want you to remember is that we need to not only protect our lives, but the lives of others. So what's the purpose of this study? I believe that God doesn't want us to be ignorant about how to address questions from a biblical perspective. People are going to ask us questions because we say we're Christians. They're going to ask these pressing questions. And we need to know what the Bible is saying about them. Let me look at a couple of things here. In Proverbs 15 and 1, it says, a soft answer turns away wrath. I believe that we need to address it in truth, in spirit and truth, but not in harshness. We can do it in a diplomatic way. Also in Colossians 4 and 6, it tells us, that our, whatever we say, whatever we chime in with, whatever we share, should be seasoned with grace. That means God extended grace toward us. Let's give it to others. And yes, we may not agree, but let's, whatever we say, let it be seasoned with grace. We don't want to be harsh. We don't want to be aggressive. We, wanna, we don't want to stand with a megaphone yelling at them. No, we want to share. We want him, them to hear us out. But we want to do it in such a way that it's not going to turn them away from the gospel. And Colossians 4 and 6 also tells us that we have to know how to give an answer. A lot of times people ask questions and we don't know what to do. Oh, we panic. We, get, we need to take them to the pastor. No, we are ministers of reconciliation. We need to know what the Bible says ourselves so that we can share that with others and not have to always tell them to go see our pastor or one of the pastors. And the last thing is, Proverbs 12 and 8 says this, that a wise tongue brings healing. It also brings forgiveness. It brings wisdom. It brings salvation and a lot of more things. So we want our tongue to be a wise tongue. We want to share the truth. We want to stand for the truth. But we don't want to do it in a way that is sour in the mouths of others. Amen? I hope you, you believe that. So let's look at the definition of euthanasia. And this is from Webster's Dictionary. It says it's the act or method of causing death painlessly. 
so as to end suffering, advocated by some as a way to deal with a person's dying of incurable, painful diseases. Also, there are other definitions or other names for euthanasia. One of them is mercy killing or assisted suicide or physician assisted suicide. It's also called the Thanatos syndrome. And there was a Dr. Walker Percy who wrote a book about that. Thanatos is a Greek name and it means death or death of the body. It is also a demonic representation of death in the ancient Greek mythology. Thanatos was believed to be merciless and indiscriminate. He was theoretically hated by both mortals and small g-gods alike. Now remember, this is in Greek mythology. Also, something that I realized as I was studying this, that in if you are a big comic book fan or you're a big movie fan, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, there was a character named Thanos who was the arbiter of death in a movie called Infinity Wars. So, you know, even Hollywood is using that name. It is also an English word from a Greek compound meaning. It means good death. Its ancient roots are in the Greco-Roman world, or maybe even as far back as David and Saul's time, if you look in 1 Samuel 31, verses 4 through 5. Another definition for euthanasia is the practice of ending life, ending the life of a person or an animal having a terminal illness or medical condition that causes suffering. It is touted or thought to be an easy, tranquil death and a mode of dying to be desired. Well, I don't know that I can agree with them. Listen to this quote by Lucius Aeneas Seneca, who was a Roman philosopher. He said, sometimes even to live is an act of courage. I believe God wants us to live because he has work for us to do. Even we have things going on in our body that we don't like or maybe we think might even cause our death. There is still work to be done until we leave this earth. I remember when I was uh, in the military during the Persian Gulf War. So I'm a Desert Storm vet. Yes, I'm a retired military person. And during that time, I was going to be sent overseas and I was getting ready to deploy. And I remember being in the locker room at the hospital that I worked at, getting some things that I was gonna pack in my duffel bag. And I told the Lord there in that quiet locker room all by myself, where the nurses changed their clothes. No one else was there and I was just there and I was talking to the Lord about it. And I said, Lord, I am willing to die for my country. And the Lord said to me, I want you to live. It's harder to live than it is to die. So what states practice euthanasia? Who's legalized euthanasia? There are quite a few states. California, Colorado, Hawaii, New Jersey, Maine, Montana, Oregon, 
Vermont, Washington State, and Washington, D.C. It's 10 states. Oregon was the first to legalize euthanasia in 1994. And then Washington was the second, came right behind them in 2008 and legalized it. And the minimum age for euthanasia in Washington State is 18 years old. So how pervasive is euthanasia? And I looked at the national figures and I looked at the figures for Washington State. The first time I ever even heard anything about mercy killing or assisted suicide was when I heard about a doctor. His name was Dr. Kevorkian. And he was also called the doctor of death. He was a pathologist and he assisted in 130 suicides from 1990 to 1998. In, in the state of Washington, 49% of the people that uh, desire euthanasia are females and 51% are males. 94% are Caucasian. Usually 90% of the people that are desirous of euthanasia are west of the Cascades. The median age so far has been 33 years old, who was the youngest, and then the oldest has been someone 98 years old. The nation's median age is around 68 to 69. The marital status is 47% were married, 75% have a college degree, and usually the diagnosis for about 72% of these people desiring euthanasia has been cancer. And in order to um, have yourself euthanized, first you have to agree, your attending physician has to agree, and then you have to have another opinion from a consulting physician. Listen to this quote from Peter Singer. He is an Australian moral philosopher and bioethics professor at Princeton University. Of all the arguments against voluntary euthanasia, the most influential is the slippery slope. Once we allow doctors to kill patients, we will not be able to limit the killing to those who want to die. So he's saying there that, yes, we may license, you know, people to, yes, agree to their death, but eventually it's going to lead to people killing us and we didn't agree to it. Let's look at scripture. We're going to look at quite a few scriptures. I'm not going to necessarily interpret the scriptures for you tonight because it would be too long, too detailed. But I do want you to read these scriptures and I'm going to share them with you right now. The first is Genesis, and all of them will be in the NIV. The first is in Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Exodus 20.13. You shall not murder. That was in the Ten Commandments. Job 12.10. In his hand, and he's speaking of God, in his hand is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind. 
Job 14.5. A person's days are determined. You have decreed the number of his months and have set limits he cannot exceed. Job 33 and 4. The Spirit of God has made me. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. Psalm 139.16. Your eyes saw my uniformed body. Or let me readdress that. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. I'm going to read that again. Psalm 139.16. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Hebrews 9.27. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. 1 Corinthians 6.19 Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. Acts 5.29 Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. And I added that to let you know the apostles are saying, we are going to go with what Jesus says over whatever men say. That comes first. I want to share something from BibleResources.org. And this was a pastor. And I thought she said something very pertinent. Her name was Pastor Betty Miller. She says here, we are not to murder each other or ourselves. God created human beings in his image and each of us carries within us the potential to overcome evil in this world. If we are Christians, we are no longer or we no longer belong to ourselves, but to God. We are overseers of our bodies and our lives, which belong to him. And we are responsible to guard that which he has entrusted to us. Hallelujah. So I have a question for you. I want you to think about this. Are we denying God his sovereign right to appoint the, the days or when we die? Are we denying God his sovereign right to appoint who dies when? Let's say that. Here are my final points. You said, Pastor D, you ending already? Yeah, because I've given you a lot to think about. I'm challenging you. I want you to think about this this week. I want you to study those scriptures. I want you to think, what would I say if somebody came up to me and said, I want to kill myself. Does God say anything about that? So here are my final points. The first one is, we are not under obligation to prolong the life of the sufferer. That means we don't have to take extreme curative treatments. We don't have to fly them to Mexico or fly them to Switzerland trying to have some, you know, special treatment that we think is going to save their lives or get rid of this cancer. Not unless 
God is sending us there. But a lot of times, no, we're running willy-nilly, grabbing onto any, you know, straw that we can. But we're not under obligation to prolong the life of the sufferer. The second thing is, the Bible doesn't tell us to do everything possible to keep a person alive. People need to have a living will. And this is what Dave Ramsey says about a living will. A living will is a legal document that tells others what your personal choices are about end-of-life medical treatment. It lays out the procedures or medications you want or you don't want to prolong your life if you can't talk to the doctors yourself. This could be because you're under anesthesia for a scheduled surgery and had a complication or you are unconscious from an accident or other event. So we can have a say-so about what we want done and we need to, you know, get a living will so we can have that in writing. The third thing is we should make every effort to bring comfort to someone in the throes of death, someone that's about to die. It may be hospice that we provide hospice for them. It may not always be medicines. It may be they want to hear one of their favorite childhood books or they want to hear some classic book that they haven't heard in a long time. Or maybe they want to go somewhere. They want to travel. They want to see their grandchildren or see their children or see whatever. They want to see a place before they die. I'm a big fan of the Make-A-Wish Foundation because for children, they do just that. Children that are in the throes of death, they provide that wish that they have. And it's a, it's a, you know, not-for-profit. It's a being supported by others. But they're providing that wish. Most of the kids, a lot of times it's Disneyland or Disney World. They want to go there. Whatever it may be, we need to bring that comfort for them if we can. I remember seeing a movie in 1973. And I know some of you may not have even been born in 1973. But in 1973, there was a movie called Soylent Green with Charlton Heston. And in that movie, they, they were in New York. And New York was a shambles. It was a disparaging time. And people were out of food and water. And everybody was clamoring for food and water. And they had what was called Soylent Blue, which sustained people. And they'd come to a marketplace and get this Soylent Blue. But most people wanted Soylent Green because it was the best and they wanted that. This police officer who was investigating a murder found out that, eventually he found out. Now he started out trying to find out who murdered this person, but he found out something else that people were covering up. And that was that Soylent Green was made from human beings. And that what was happening is people were being euthanized so that they could turn them into food. That was a pretty scary sci-fi movie, let me tell you. And then there was a book that I read a long time ago by Robin Cook, and it was called Coma. And it was people that were euthanizing or putting people in a coma, euthanizing them and keeping them alive in another place, almost like a refrigerator or whatever, so that they could harvest their organs. So people have been talking about these things for a long time. But I just wanted you to know that out there, this topic is pervasive. 
and we need to know how to address it. Another point that I want to share with you is God is the author of life. God is the author of life. In Deuteronomy 32:39 in the NASB it says this. See now that I I am he and there is no god besides me. It is I who put to death and give life. I have wounded and it is I who heal. And there is no one who can deliver from my hand. Saving someone from pain is not a reason to kill them, nor is it God's way to kill oneself to save oneself from pain. My next and final point is this. All life is of infinite value, regardless of its duration or quality. There is a term in Latin called imago Dei, and it means that all humans are made in the image and likeness of God. Here's my final quote, and it's from G.K. Chesterton, who was an English writer, philosophy, or philosopher, and theologian. He said this, think of all ages through which men have had the courage to die. Think of all those ages through which man had the courage to die. And then remember that we have actually fallen to talking about having the courage to live. Do you have the courage to live? Do you have the courage to speak truth to someone else so they will have the courage to live? I pray so. I pray after you study further you will see that yes, as ministers of the gospel, as ministers of reconciliation, as God's people, we need to be promoting life. Let's pray. Father, I just give you praise and thanks for allowing us to go through this lesson, to hear where you stand. And Lord, we want to stand where you stand. We want to hate what you hate. We want to love what you love and you love people. And so, Lord, I just pray that our decisions are for people, that we will esteem people, we will see their value, we will know that they're made in your image and likeness. Mm -hmm. I pray that you will just give us wisdom as we discuss these topics, and especially about euthanasia. If we ever have to discuss it with anyone, we pray that the Holy Spirit will guide everything that we say so that it will reach their hearts and turn them to you. And we love and adore you, precious God. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.